But welcome this morning. Hey, Friday night was a night to shine. How many of you were involved in Friday night? Yes, yes. Hey, raise your hand again. Raise your hand again. You're involved in Friday night. All right. How, were, how many of you were volunteers? How many of you were volunteers? How many of you had somebody come to you for a Friday night? All right. Cool. So I've gotten a couple emails, and uh, I went back to my office to get my phone so that I could read them to you this morning, and I got in my office, and I got distracted. <laughs> and I came back in, and I didn't have my phone. So I will read them at another time, but suffice it to say, people said that they, that they enjoyed the ministry of our church in the lives of the people in their lives, uh, people with special needs, and the people that served said it was so good to be together on Friday night and uh, work on a team and serve, and that it seemed like we were coming out of our long siege that we've had over this past year. So thank you, um, Londa, uh, who started this all over a year ago, and Pastor Bo, who took on the lion's share of the work, and all of you volunteers who jumped in and helped um, there probably aren't a group of people in our area uh, that enjoyed it more than the folks with special needs that you ministered to this week. So um, as the pastor who did almost nothing but watched all of you serve and love, thank you, thank you from the community and from those you ministered to, thank you. Um, this morning we're in week five, week five on this um, Take the Time and Trouble to Keep Yourself Spiritually Fit series. And this morning we're talking about Bible study. Now a couple weeks ago we talked about reading the Bible. This morning we're going to go just a little bit farther, but we're just kind of looking at it from a different angle this morning, and I'm calling this one Strength Training. Because if you're, going to get, if you're going to get strong as a believer, strong on the inside, right? Strong in character, strong in who you are, and strong in your relationship with God, it, it can't happen apart from this truth getting into our lives and us living it out and experiencing the benefits of living out the Word of God, okay? So the key truth this morning is knowing and understanding God's Word brings focus and direction to my life. Knowing and understanding God's Word, it brings me, it brings me focus and it brings me direction. Without the Word of God, where would we be going? What would we be doing? We would just, we would just be like a sail, in whichever direction the wind was blowing, that's where we would go without the word of God. So we're going to get into that a little this morning, and we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. And what I want to do this morning is look at a few scriptures, uh, not a lot, but a few that I think are really important, and then, and then just talk about Bible study a little bit, and then share with you some very easily accessible resources that can help you as you study God's word. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't been reading your Bibles, your Bible, read your Bible. Read it. Read it. And if you've just been reading it, think about actually studying it. Now, I know that goes back to our school days, right? I didn't like them any more than you did. Didn't, right? Uh, our school days when the word study 
was a five-letter word. Nobody really wanted, well, I say nobody. That would be a lie. I didn't want to study when I was a kid. And sometimes as we form that in our minds, as we go on, we think of those things in, in a negative way. But studying the Bible is, is getting to know it and understand it. And the loop closes in Bible study when we start to live it. Okay? So knowing God's truth and understanding it and starting to live it, that's really what Bible study really is. Because, you know, there's a lot of people that get together for Bible studies and they read and they fill stuff out and then they close their book or their Bible or they get up off their knees, right? And then they go out and they forget what manner of person they were, like in the James, right? They forget what they just saw. They forget what they just read. And some Christians can get themselves into this habit loop of going through the motions and the the circle never closes with that application. And the application is where the blessing is. That's where the blessing is. So here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. I have known for decades now that when I pick up this book, this is different than every other book. This reminds me, this setup this morning reminds me of our first church in Factoryville, Pennsylvania, back in the 80s, when for a while after the morning service, we would eat together. And then we would have the evening service. They wanted, they didn't want to get rid of the evening service, but they didn't want to come in the evening. So what we decided to do was eat right after the morning service and then have another kind of a service, another study. But we had the tables out and we got to eat. And this actually reminds me of the 80s um, in Factoryville, Pennsylvania. But back then, when I stood up with my Bible and my coat and tie, I knew that what I was speaking out of this book was different, different than anything else I could get up and talk about. I would have nothing to say. If you took the Bible away, uh, what do I talk about? You know, fishing, I don't really like to fish, cars, I don't know anything about cars, and that technology maybe, but all that stuff is hollow. But when you get this book that's, that's alive, that's active, so why is it alive? Let's look. It's alive and active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. And the whole point here is who in the world can divide soul and spirit? That's like a, that's really tough. But God's word, if anything is going to divide the, the two parts of our immaterial selves, it's going to be the word of God. Joints and marrow, physically. The illustration now is physical. It's like a surgical precision. That's what the Word of God has, surgical precision. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, notice something here, that the Bible judges. It basically, it's the idea of the scales of justice, right? And it's kind of the idea of what I used to have when I was a little kid, that I, I thought that if my good deeds outweighed my bad deeds, even just a little bit, oh, oh 51%, I get into heaven. That's what I thought. I mean, that's what you were taught if you didn't read the Bible back then, and maybe still today. But this is this, this idea of the scales being weighed, being weighed. 
True, honest weights, Proverbs talks about. And it judges, it weighs, it determines the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. What other book does that? The no other book. So every book that you read, the first novel I ever read was a John Grisham novel. Who's a John Grisham? Any John Grisham readers in here? Okay, there's a, there's a few, there's a few. And I thought, I don't have time for novels. I'm never going to read a novel. Those big, fat books, it's like studying. There was no time I'd ever have for those. Then somebody handed me The Firm by John Grisham. And I read the first page, and that was it. That was it. And I mean, I'm burning through that thing. But you know what? I haven't read a John Grisham novel in probably decades. I determine whether the John Grisham novel is good or bad for me. In fact, I judge every single book, but there's only one book that judges me, and there's only one book that judges you. It's the Bible. The Bible is the judge of the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. See, this, this directs me. Every other book, I determine if I want to read it and whether I'm going to put a review on Amazon and decide whether, how many stars it gets, but the Bible determines me. The Bible judges me, and the Bible judges you, because it literally, it penetrates, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And if we don't read it, we never get that benefit. We never get that self-assessment where we are allowing, actually the word assesses us, We're we're never allowed to see that in ourselves because we never are able to line ourselves up with what the, what the true standard is. So now, if you go just a few pages back in your Bible to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says this, remember, now Paul's writing to Timothy. This is a great little letter if you want to read about what Paul thought about God's word. It says, remember Jesus Christ. Raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, Paul wrote, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. And then he makes this statement. But God's word is not chained. You can lock me up, but you can't lock up God's truth. You can put all the Christians in jail but you can't chain God's word because God's word is free to go wherever it needs to go. And it's like a really good virus. It's a good virus. It can get around to wherever it needs to get around to and to whoever needs to have it because it's God's truth. It's active. It's alive. And it's also empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? It is the Spirit of God and his truth, and it moves and it goes. And Paul says, you know what, chain me up, chain me up, but the word of God can't be chained. How many dictators and despots, how many regimes have tried to squash Jesus, right? Have tried to squash the church, have tried to squash the thing that is judging the thoughts and attitudes of their heart, And they say, we'll just get rid of it. We'll just make it go away. 
People say in this day and age, oh, the church is on hard times. Ah, the church is going down. The church can't go down. It's the body of Christ. It's like saying you're going to chain up the Bible. So, so God's word cannot be chained. The next chapter, chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, verse, verses, um, let's see, I don't have my glasses, so I can't see quite as well, verses 16 and 17. It says, all scripture, we read this two, three weeks ago, all scripture is God-breathed. The picture here, it's alluding, it's an allusion back to Genesis when God made the human, Adam, out of the dirt, the Adam of the ground. And then he had this, this, uh, uh, this is an age moment. What do you call those things that are, you put clothes on them in stores? <laughs> I remembered it in the first service, mannequins, right? They're nothing but a mannequin. He's just a mannequin. He's just laying there. God made him. He sculpted him. He created him. He fashioned him. And there lays Adam. Not dead. He's just never been alive yet. And it says that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of lives, plural. And the human became a living soul. And he's alluding to that when he writes that all scripture is God breathed. It's the breath of God, inspired. And it's useful, it's profitable for teaching. And it, it's not just um, it's a little profitable. There's like a 5% profit. It, it's not that profitable. It, it's not that kind of profitable. It's, this, this will benefit you. If you want the benefit of God, from God's word, one of the benefits is teaching. You, we can learn. We can be taught from God's word. It says rebuking. That again, God's word tells us. We don't tell the word of God. God's word speaks to us. It tells us. One of my grandchildren, I was told a story by somebody who might have been watching one of my grandchildren and said, um, you have to do this. And my grandchild, who's still an angel, said, no, I don't. Oh, yes, you have to do. You have to do this right now. No, I'm not gonna. <laughs> well, they had something mixed up. They don't understand who's supposed to tell who what to do. And sometimes we do that. Sometimes we do that. But the word of God rebukes me. It teaches me. Correcting, it corrects me. I don't correct God's word. See, that's where the world has it wrong. They approach God's word as just another of the holy writings of one of the many religions. It's not one of. It's the holy, set-apart word of God that speaks to us. And it doesn't only speak rebuke, it speaks life. When Jesus talks, and you read what Jesus teaches, the word of God speaks life into us. Just like God breathed life into Adam, God's inspired word breathes life, spiritual life into us. And then training in righteousness, it teaches us how to live. So that, here's the reason. In order that, for the purpose of the servant of God being thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
Did you know you're not really equipped to do the good things God wants you to do if you don't have the truth of God's word in you? And that you're more and more and more equipped the more you get the word of God into you, the more you understand the teachings of God that give you focus and direction for your life. So what I'm trying to do is get you to adopt a new posture toward this book. Like, I can't be without it. I need it. You know, there's good and bad to the whole digital thing, right? The digital thing. Used to be the Bible was this. We didn't have the digital. <laughs> and then you either had it or you didn't, right? Well, now it's like, it's, it's wherever, and there's truth to that because the Bible isn't even really this. The truth of God's word is true. It's just delivered to us in this format. And it's gotta have, for me, a black cover, right? Because I'm clergy, right? Now it looks like God's word. But the truth of God's word is so important to our life, it will equip us to do what's good. The less we know about God's word, the less direction and focus we have in life, the less we're really prepared. Imagine the job you do, the job that you do. How are you qualified for that job? Experience, years of experience, education, training? What if you went to your job and you had no idea? What if you started a new job tomorrow morning? You had no idea. You weren't trained. Nobody trained you. You weren't equipped. That's what a believer is who doesn't have the truth of God's word in them. They're put into a job that they don't really know what to do. Training in righteousness, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The stories found in God's word, the stories teach us how to live and how to be. And then right after that in chapter four, just the first four verses, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, Timothy, in the presence of God and of, of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom. I mean, he's laying this out, right? In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who, by the way, will judge the living and the dead. And in, in view of his appearing, he has come. He has appeared. The Messiah, Jesus, it says, uh, it says Christ Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus. And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, he came and the kingdom was inaugurated and it started. And it will find its fulfillment at the second coming when he comes as king and judge. He says, I give you this charge. Okay, well, Timothy's like, he's listening now. Oh, well, okay, I mean, if it was just about me, it would be one thing, but it's not just about me. You're saying this is in view of all that God has done. And here's the charge. He says, proclaim, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Take this word and correct with it, rebuke with it, and encourage all with great patience and careful instruction. Man, we, we live in a day of all kinds of instruction. You can get on YouTube and find out how to do anything. Friday, I walked out, and right, right here, Craig Smith, right? You're standing there, and he's watching a YouTube video, how to get the bottom drawer on the church oven unlocked. Because it was locked, it wouldn't open. And with Craig, he's so resourceful, he's so resourceful. 
And he's already got a YouTube video pulled up and he's being trained. He's being trained. But he says, with great patience and careful instruction. This is God's word. This is the word of God. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. They won't put up with it. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will gather around them a great playlist of favorites. This is what I want to hear. When I go running, I want to listen to these songs. And when I work out, I want to listen to this kind of music. And when I'm washing the dishes, I want to listen to this person. And when I'm mowing the lawn, I want to listen to this podcast. And at night, I like to tune into this channel. Boy, you know me, I'm not like the prophecy preacher, but come on, like we're in a day, right? We're in a day when this is so true. This is so true. Only the thing is, when Christians read this, they think about the people outside the church that won't endure sound doctrine. But it's not just talking about them. This is talking about believers. This is talking about church people. Talking about us. And it says, the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine to suit their own desires. We don't want to be uncomfortable. To suit their own desires. I have to ask myself, do I want to suit my own desires? I do, I do. The trick is, do I recognize it when I'm like that? Do I see that in myself? And do I check that and say, wait a minute, Jeff, you're just trying to You're just trying to gather around yourself teachers to say what your itching ears want to hear. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Confirmation bias. The only confirmation bias we should look for is this. And if it doesn't confirm, then we're wrong. And we have to get ourselves in line. Right? That's where, if we want to be safe, like we're never going to be safe in this world, right? Safe, safe from what, right? We're safe, we're saved till the end. And Jesus has promised to keep us until that day, right? We, we can trust in him. Paul wrote that to Timothy too. I know the one I believed in. He's able to keep me. But if we want to be safe, it's when we allow ourselves to be aligned with God's word. That's when we're safe. That's when we're under the shelter of his wings. Because when we step out from underneath this and decide, well, times have changed. I mean, people are, they're just different now and we know things we didn't know before and therefore things have changed and we've got to, this is different. Uh -uh. Uh-uh, (laughs) uh-uh. Hopefully we're different. Hopefully we've gotten better at looking at it Hopefully as we grow and learn, we become more aligned to this. So this never really changes. We're the ones who change. And sometimes we change by straying away from it. And then other times we, we change by more, aligning more closely with it. So which is it going to be? We have to decide. And that's the challenge of our time. That's the challenge of our day. That as believers, 
we look around and we say, how do we deal with these issues? How do we deal with the issues of the day? How do we deal with this, the gender issues and the sexuality issues and the marriage type issues? There's difficult issues of our day. And the issues even may change. But God's word never changes. And it's always, it's always nestled in the truth of God's word that's lived out in love to the people around us. And love never changes the truth of God's word. It is the truth of God's word. And the truth of God's word never changes love. Truth, if it's love, is always going to be true. You know, it says that, it says that um, faith without works is dead. Well, love without truth is dead too. Love without truth isn't love. And so Paul had to write, don't conform yourself to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind into what the scriptures say. So look at the end of this, verse four. It says, what their itchy ears want to hear, here's the ultimate result of that. They will turn their ears away from the truth and they'll turn aside to myths. Myths. When Moses comes down off the mountain and there are the people and there's the golden calves and they're worshiping and dancing and frolicking and they found their deliverers. Myths. They're just golden calves. They're worthless for anything spiritual. Many of them were judged because of it. And Aaron was shamed. And Moses was heartbroken. They will turn their ears away from the truth. May we never be the ones that turn our ears away from the truth. May we continue to fine-tune our ears to the truth. That's what I need to do. Because that's where effectiveness is. That's where life is. That's where mission is. That's where purpose is. I mean, we can make people happy and we can live to fit into our culture and all that stuff. That's empty. That's going to be empty. And we're not going to minister or serve anybody like that. So the challenge of our day is to live nestled within the center of God's truth full of love, drawing people and not repelling them. It's a challenge. So now, quickly, the, la- the back of your, or the front, actually the front of your handout, the most important practice in studying the Bible is just reading it, reading it. We have to read our Bibles. I remember talking to uh, uh, Walter Brueggemann on a podcast episode. He's a, he's a curmudgeonly old genius Old Testament prof. And we were, I said, well, how do you know that's true, Dr. Brueggemann? He said, well, if you just read your Bible, you'd see it's true. And he was right. I just read that. If people would just read their Bibles. So reading it is the most important practice. Number two, read it to understand it, to understand it. You don't, you don't want to just read it to get it read. Jesus told the, 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 um, the Pharisees, he says, you study the scriptures because you believe that in them you'll have eternal life. He goes, but these are the very scriptures that speak about me. I am the one that gives life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You guys, you're like, here I am. I'm here, over here. 
You're studying the scriptures in John 5, 39 and 40. Jesus says this. You're studying it. You think in them you have eternal life. They were bibliolaters. Bibliolatry, the idolatry of the Bible. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Word. Oh, whoops. No. This comes, this comes beneath the triune God, expressing and reflecting the very heart of God. We get to have this. And we get to hear from God because of it. But we don't put that on the shelf. Jesus says, these words, this is just a signpost. It's the sign. It says, Jesus is this way. This points you to me. And here the the Pharisees, they were missing out. They were there. They were the generation. Those religious leaders, they were the generation. When the Messiah came, he showed up. And there he was. And they missed it. What generation are we in today? And we might miss it. We're in this technology revolution. I realized, I realized that the smartphones we carry today, I don't even know what we call them. That seems like an old term. But those things, they happen between my first child and my last child. My first child didn't really have one until she went to college. My last child had one as soon as he was old enough to get it in his grubby little hands. Right? But just in my kids, just in the 10 and a half years, the whole world changed. We live in that generation. So I'm going to talk to you about resources in a minute. We have resources that no other generation in the history of mankind has ever had. Will we be the generation that goes, oh, I'm busy playing Xbox. Like, I don't even know what they are anymore. <laughs> I haven't known for 25 years. I'm busy, like, doing whatever. Or am I busy actually taking just a little bit of time and it, it's, it's so focused now, it can come to me. So number three, uh, after you read to understand, ask questions about what you read and then find the answers. Ask the questions, but then find the answers. We're smart. You're smart. <laughs> you can find the answers. You can, you can ask somebody. You can read a book that you have. You can go on Google. Be careful, but you can find the answer you got to go to reputable places, which we'll talk about. And then number four, I love, I love this next slide. Put that next slide up. This is number four. Oh, whoops. I, fr- I, didn't put, I didn't put it on this slide. It's so crazy. Number four, take action on what you read and apply it to your life. And take action. Action is there twice. Take action. That's, that's the active ingredient. That's closing the loop. Like we could have all the knowledge in the world, but if we don't actually do it, I don't know how many times I've said to my kids, Like Miss Trunchbull from the movie Matilda, I've said to my kids, do it. Just do it. I'm tired of talking about it. Do it. And that's how it is sometimes with God's word. Us Christians can so easily get ourselves into these little study loops, study loops, reading loops, study loops, discussion loops, and we never actually do it. We never actually live it out. That's where the excitement is. That's where the if you know the word Jesus, you'd have to look it up. An old word. That's where, the, that's where the money is. The cheddar is when they actually live out God's word because then, then it's proved out. Then you realize, oh, when I refresh others, it seems like my life just gets refreshed. Wow, that verse in Proverbs is actually true. And, and when, I try to, when I try to hold all the money to myself, it just all falls through my fingers like, like sand. Oh, that, that's actually true. And, and when I give somebody a soft answer, that tends to calm things down. Well, that, that's actually true. Well, this is kind of fun. 
I'm going to try to do more of this book. Okay. So, how do... Hmm. Hmm. Oh, I guess that was earlier. There was a slide up there that said... How do we study the, how to study the Bible? Okay, online resources. On the back of your handout, on the back side, there's some online resources. You could get a Bible college degree from these resources. They're there now. They're there now. It showed up. If you look at some major Bible colleges and seminaries, many of them have free courses that you can take now. You could just watch. You could watch the lectures. You could like, do it all now online. It's all there. So here's some good ones. Um, Biblia.com is a great one. Blue Letter Bible, I use it all the time. I've got uh, another one. I've got Logos, Logos, however you want to pronounce it. And that's kind of the Cadillac. But my go-to for quick stuff is blueletterbible.org. It's a fantastic, it's powerful uh, search engine and Bible study tool. BibleGateway.com is really good. Bible.com is really good. So all of those will allow you to search the scriptures, find things, find passages quickly, line up par- passages in parallel in, in multiple uh, tr- versions, translations. Then Right Now Media is what we have as a church. If you don't have access to Right Now Media, Send, just send an email to office at uh, communityheights.org and ask for the Right Now Media link. And you can sign up. It's, it's all paid for, and you can put your account there. And it's kind of like, like a Netflix of Christian teachings. Got a lot of kids program, programming on there as well, Bible studies. And then one I really want to point you to is BibleProject.com. How many of you have been to Bible Project? You see maybe some of the Bible Project videos? Okay, not nearly enough of you you got to go to BibleProject.com. It's awesome. Tim Mackey and his little sidekick, I don't know his name, they do this podcast. And on BibleProject.com, where it talks about podcasts, it lists out all the series that they have. They've got, I have it at the bottom here, they've got a Family of God series, 10 episodes. Now that sounds rather um, simple. It's really deep. This is like really deep stuff, but it's accessible to the average person. you gotta, you got to think and you got to want to hear it, but it's very entertaining, very uh, informative, and it's very deep. All those things wrapped together are really hard to find, but Tim Mackey is a gift to the church. He's one of these, like, just brains who's got a heart to match it. Uh, he's a Hebrew scholar, Old Testament scholar and professor, and they, and they break things down for regular people to hear and learn, BibleProject.com. And then the Bible app for your phone. And then the Bible Project, again, the podcasts are so good. And the Bible Projects are putting together videos. I believe they've got a video that's anywhere from five to nine minutes long that gives the overview of every single book of the Bible. So there would be 66 of those videos. You can find them on YouTube, on their YouTube channel. When you understand the Bible, and the reason, why to, the reason why to memorize the books of the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, I mean memorize where they are, is so that you're familiar with it. If you're familiar with it, you're likely to pick it up, you're more likely to read it. If you walk into a room and there's 10 people in the room and two people you kind of know pretty well, 
but then there's a third out of those ten that you know really well, you're probably going to go to that person. You're not going to go to the other seven. If you don't even know the books of the Bible, what they even are, the likelihood of you picking it up and reading it is fairly remote. But when I say Hezekiah, and you know right away that that's not a book of the Bible, but that Obadiah actually is, you're more likely to read it. Read it. So let me just say how to study the Bible. We're going to talk about that the next two weeks. In the next two weeks, we're going to talk about how to forgive when it's really difficult and you're having a hard time forgiving. And then what to do with your anger. Some of us have anger issues. We're going to talk about anger and, and where, to, where to aim your anger at. And the, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the next two weeks and, and basically illustrate how, how to study your Bible. Let's say you wanted to study your Bible on forgiveness. We're going to go through that next Sunday. What does that look like? How do I do that? And hopefully you can learn maybe to take the same approach with, on different topics. And then one after that, how, how do I deal with anger? So the Bible study portion of this is really going on for the next two weeks around the topics of forgiveness and anger. So if you're having a hard time forgiving somebody, well, we're going to talk about that next week. And if you, have, if you get mad and have anger issues, I've been known to have those from time to time. Less and less the older I get, but something like that I think you deal with a lot. Um, we're going to talk about that. What does God's word say about that? And then finally, I want to ask you to pray. I want to ask you to pray for um, Troit Golson. For those of you who know Troit, uh, he is in the Newton Hospital right now. He has COVID. He got sick. He went to the hospital, got tested, got sent home, got sicker, was having some issues breathing and oxygen levels and went back in the hospital. The result came back positive, and that's where he's at right now having some treatments, uh, oxygen, uh, uh, respiratory treatment. And so Carla is at home, but their family would love it if you would pray for Troy. And then I just uh, talked with Doug. Um, Doug, I'm going to forget your name. What's your last name? What is it? Yeah, Versteg, that one. Doug Versteg. Doug, you were telling me that your sister's husband is in the hospital and really bad, really bad, serious with COVID. So Phil, it's Phil, right? Okay, so we want to ask you to pray for Phil as well. So let's pray for both of them as we close this morning. God, thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to, to look at your word, to just to be reminded again that, that we, we don't judge your word, but your word judges us. And that, uh, Lord, we want to be people who live out grace and truth. Jesus was the one who was full of grace and truth. So help us to be like Jesus. Help us to live out that grace. And uh, we've received it from you. Help us to share it with others. And yet, Lord, help us to align ourselves with truth. Because, God, in the world we live in today, real truth, God's truth is beautiful. God's truth is beautiful. It's life-giving. It's oxygen to the soul and the spirit. And God's truth will never fail. So Lord, help us to live that out and help us to be able to discern, to be able to discern as the word of God judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart 
God, help us to discern your word through the power of your spirit as you enlighten us and illuminate the word to us. Lord, this morning we do pray for Troy uh, and we pray for Phil. Uh, Lord, we pray for both of them, God. We pray for healing for their bodies. We pray for peace, God, for their hearts. That during this time, as it is with so many of us when we're in a crisis, is a time when we lean more heavily on you, when we depend deeply upon you, God. And I pray that uh, Troy and Phil uh, would both be able to experience that, of drawing closer to you, but then that, that peace that you give, that peace, God, when they've, when they've given it all to you, they can trust you. God, I pray for Carla and uh, for, for um, Doug's family as well. Lord, would you bless them? God, this week, this week, Lord, help us to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us to be disciples, to be followers of you. In Jesus' name, amen.